Hello, and welcome to the Treasures of Truth podcast with Dr. Jeremy Simpson of the Thanks to Calvary Baptist Church in Elkin, North Carolina. We hope that you enjoy the podcast today as we search together in the precious Word of God. Well, amen. This is Pastor Jeremy Simpson. Welcome to the Treasures of Truth podcast. And I sure hope something that I say today will be a real blessing to you as we come behind the mic and get into the Word of God. Uh, We've been studying over the last few podcasts out of the book of Ephesians, chapter number 6, on the armor of God. And man, I really enjoy doing these podcasts and been getting a lot of good positive feedback from them. I'd love it if you'd share it with your friends and neighbors. Uh, that is, it is, it is available. Uh, it's now available, of course, on Spotify and Apple Podcast and Google Pop- Podcast, and uh, share it on your social media sites. And uh, once you listen today, it doesn't take a whole lot of time. Just to go ahead and put that on your uh, social media, whether it's Facebook, Twitter, uh, Instagram, and uh, share it. And that way, other folks could possibly stumble across it. And uh, we are so excited about this episode today. Uh, this is episode number 32, number 32, on the armor of God, part number eight. And we've been looking at uh, different uh, the different pieces of equipment uh, that the Apostle Paul described in Ephesians chapter number six. And we've talked about the girdle of truth, the breastplate of righteousness, the shield of faith, the helmet of salvation, the shoes of peace. And uh, here's what the Bible says in verse number 17. Take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God, the sword of the Spirit. That's what we want to look at today for just a few minutes, and uh, we'll try not to be too long. I try to keep the podcast uh, shorter, between 10 and 15 minutes. Sometimes we go a little longer than that, and, uh, and, and I hope that doesn't bother you too bad. Uh, but try to just give you a good shot in the arm for the day. The Bible also says in the book of Romans, chapter 13, same writer, the Apostle Paul. In verse number 12 of Romans 13, he said, The night is far spent, the day is at hand. Let us therefore cast off the works of darkness, and let us put on the armor of light. Now up until this point, the girdle of truth, the breastplate of righteousness, the shield of faith, the shoes of peace, the helmet of salvation, all of those have been defensive weapons, the the defensive weapons of the armor. And all of this has been defensive gear, uh, just protective. But here, this sword of the Spirit is our offensive weapon. In more ways than one, the Word of God is offensive and offensive and because many are offended by our offense. But the Bible says this in Hebrews 4.12, great verse of Scripture. You ought to put it to your memory bank. For the Word of God is quick and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the dividing asunder of soul and spirit and of the joints and marrow of the heart, and joints and marrow, and is, and is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. So those first five weapons are meant for us to protect ourselves from the assault of the enemy. But this weapon is for our offense to attack the enemy. And the Word of God is your only offensive weapon. You've got five weapons to defend against the enemy, and you've got one weapon 
to defeat the enemy. The Word of God, the Word of God, is our only solution to defeating the devil. Now, in the book of Matthew, Jesus came up against Satan, Satan himself. And the Bible teaches us in Matthew chapter 4 how we are to use the sword. It's the greatest illustration that we could consider about how to use the Word of God, how to use the sword of the Spirit. In Matthew chapter number 4 and verse number 12, the Bible says that Jesus was led up of the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted of the devil. That little phrase, led up, is very interesting. It means he was pushed as wind in a sail. The Spirit of God pushed him, drove him. In fact, that's the exact words that the writer in, in the Gospel of Mark used. He said, the Spirit driveth him into the wilderness. That word there is actually kind of uh, stronger than Matthew's Gospel because it is the Greek word ekbalo, which means to eject or to cast forth or to expel. The Spirit literally ejected and cast Jesus into the wilderness. A divine arrangement for temptation. I know we don't like to talk about temptation or think about temptation, but there's no temptation taking you but such as is common to man. We all deal with it. And there's three reasons why God put Jesus into that temptation. It's not because Jesus had the uh, possibility of sinning. I don't believe that. Jesus was without sin and could not sin. He was God in the flesh. But he did it for three reasons. First reason he did was to demonstrate how compassionate Jesus is as our high priest. Because we have a high priest who is touched with the feelings of our infirmities. The Bible said in Hebrews 2, verse number 18, that he himself hath, hath, hath suffered being tempted. He is able to succor them, help them, relieve them, aid them that are tempted. And when you're tempted, you need to understand and realize and thank God that you're not tempted with anything that Jesus has not already faced and defeated. He is touched. We have a high priest that is touched with the feelings of our infirmities. In all points tempted like as we are, yet without sin. And Jesus has compassion and understanding for us, remembering that we are dust. And because he knows exactly how it feels to be tempted, yet without sin, he's able to minister and relieve and help and succor those that are tempted. I love that old song. There's not a friend like the lowly Jesus. No, not one. No, not one. None else could heal all our soul's diseases. No, not one. No, not one. Jesus knows all about our struggles. He will guide till the day is done. There's not a friend like the lowly Jesus. No, not one. No, not one. And so the first reason God allowed the Spirit to push and expel Christ into the wilderness was to demonstrate His compassion. The second reason is because God wanted to demonstrate Satan's devices. The devil prefers to lurk in the darkness, spring out with surprise attacks like a roaring lion. He doesn't want us to know his tactics or his methods, but Jesus flushed them out in the wilderness. Jesus showed us how 
the devil likes to attack. Uh, Paul wrote to the Corinthians in chapter 2, verse 11 of 2 Corinthians, lest Satan should get an advantage of us, for we are not ignorant of his devices. Why are we not ignorant? Because Jesus revealed it. He showed us how Satan attacks. And so the first reason Jesus was tempted in the wilderness was to demonstrate his compassion for us. The second reason was to demonstrate Satan's attacks and Satan's devices. But the third reason, and this is very important, is because he wanted to demonstrate how we are to handle the sword of the Spirit. Just because Jesus was the Son of God does not mean his temptations weren't real. He had laid aside his divine powers. He had chosen not to employ them. Uh, we know that he was the omniscient, omnipotent, omnipresent God in the flesh. But he chose not to employ those powers. He faced Satan as a human in human flesh using the sword of the Spirit. All of the quotations that Jesus gave that day were from Deuteronomy uh, chapter 6 and chapter number 8. Could it be that the Lord's meditation that morning before he faced Satan was in that portion of God's Word? I don't know. He didn't try to win over Satan by using human reason or, or, or human um, ideologies. He didn't debate Satan. He didn't use intellect. He didn't use willpower. He used the same sword that I hold in my hand on a daily basis, the precious Word of God. And here's the thing that really helped me. He did not employ his incarnate Word. He is the Word in the flesh, according to John chapter 1. He employed the inspired word, something we have. Now, he didn't say, don't you know who I am? I'm God in the flesh. I'm the Son of God. I was made flesh and dwelt among men. He did not use that incarnate word. He used the inspired word, something that you and I have in our possession today. And here's the amazing part. He only used one book out of 66 books, Deuteronomy. He only used three verses out of over 30,000 verses. Now, here's the key. If Jesus could defeat Satan with one out of 66 books and three out of over 30,000 verses, how come you and I can't live in victory today when we have at our disposal every verse of the pure Word of God? He simply used the Word of God. So I want to encourage you today. Study to show thyself approved unto God. Hide the word of God in your heart. Thy word have I hid in my heart that I might not sin against thee. Use the sword of the Spirit. It is your offensive weapon. And attack Satan with the word of God. Not the words of your pastor. Not the words of your parents. Not the words of your spouse or your grandmother or your best friend. Use the word of God. Go out today. Be salt and be light in this world. If you're listening to this in the morning, you've got a whole day to go out and be a testimony. If you're listening to this in the evening, you've got a whole day in the morning that you can go out and be a testimony and a light and salt in this world. Until the next podcast, this is Pastor Simpson of Treasures of Truth podcast. Thanks for joining us today. God bless you.